Hey, what's happening? Welcome to the Influential Communicator, the go-to podcast for your weekly dose of storytelling, speaking, and communication bullets to help you craft stories that sell and deliver presentations that win. I'm your host, Ravi Rajani. So without further wait, let's get into it. And we are back, ladies and gents, with another episode of the Influential communicator now this is a solo episode why i'll do what i want you know what i'm saying i'll do what i want it's my show people but yeah i just felt like i wanted a little rant if i'm honest i felt like i wanted a little rant because uh recently i put out a linkedin post and it was about the six grossly oversimplified tips on how to sell more with story and i thought you know what i really want to dig deep and give more granularity on each of these tips that hopefully you can use as a B2B salesperson to really win more revenue by becoming a better communicator inside of the sales process. Okay. Now, these tips are random. They're not given in order of, what did I say, importance. I nearly said performance, but it, they're not given in order of importance. They simply are written this way because it's what popped in my head when I was writing the post. Okay. Now, One thing to remember before I get into this is this is from my experience. This is from my perspective. This is on the back of the methodologies, right? You need to transform these tips into advice that is contextual for your situation. Okay, so let's get straight into it. Tip number one, leading with a customer success story can burn you. Now, when I say this to B2B sales teams, like, what do you mean? They're so powerful customer success stories. We use them all the time. I'm like, yeah, that's that's amazing. It's great that you use them all the time, but it's a question of two things, relevancy and timing. Here's what I mean by that. I recently received an email from somebody and it said, hey, Ravi, we recently helped company X achieve Y. And They work in the same industry as you of X. Would you like to receive and achieve results like this? Question mark. Then book a demo down below. Now, it wasn't in those exact words, but it was along the lines of that. And immediately I was like, nah, I'm not interested. No, no interest. And I felt a complete disconnection because I didn't feel seen, heard, or acknowledged. I didn't really feel listened to. Now, Why I say that leading with a customer success story can burn you is as a prospect. If you don't have self-awareness around your problem and you don't even believe a problem exists or that it's causing you pain, or you haven't admitted to actually wanting to solve the problem in the first place, receiving a customer success story would just feel like a slap in the face. It will create an immediate disconnection like it did for me. So customer success stories are amazing trust accelerators, truly. But I wouldn't lead with it. I wouldn't lead with it, right? I would not lead with it. There are plenty of better ways to have a meaningful conversation than shove a customer success story down somebody's throat because it ends up feeling quite transactional very early on. I don't know about you, but that's how I feel on the receiving end of them. It just feels very, very transactional, you know? Hopefully you can resonate. Hopefully you can resonate. Okay. Now, number two, tip number two, people, is think like a comedian. Okay. Think like a comedian. Here's where I'm going with it. Back in Feb 2022, I'm pretty sure it was around then. 
And I say the year because maybe you're listening to this in 2023, all right? So Feb 2022, some friends of mine, uh, we all decided to go to the London Comedy Store. Now, I'd never been before, so I was super excited. I was crazy excited. And we went to something called The Gong Show. And it's absolutely brutal and crazy, okay? Get this. So 30 unknown comedians get up on stage. And they have to last five minutes on stage telling jokes without receiving three gongs from the audience, a.k.a. red cards, basically, from the audience. The moment you get three red cards, you're done. You're gone. You've lost your opportunity. And the winner gets to perform, I think they had like the main slot on a Saturday night at the London Comedy Store, which is huge, which is huge. And I'm cringing actually thinking about it because some of the some of the comedians were just, oh, like I respect the fact that they've got the confidence to go up there and do it, but it was toe-curlingly bad. Like, ugh, I feel bad for some of them. And here's why. Some of the best comedians, what they did was, and especially the individual who won it, his first joke was probably less than 10 seconds. It was punchy, succinct, and connection-focused. It was highly connection-focused. And immediately, it built trust with the audience versus the comedians who didn't do so well, and they lasted sometimes less than 30 seconds on stage before getting gonged off, as they say. They tried to share a very long joke and they didn't give the audience a return on their investment, an ROI on their time. It went on and on and on. And what happens is, is as somebody in the audience, the longer the story, the bigger the expectation you have of the punchline. And it's the exact same as a salesperson, meaning prospects are giving you their precious attention. So ensure that you give them an ROI on their time. Because in that very moment that you're speaking, you're not competing against the competition. You're competing for other things that are pulling against their attention. Kids, screaming kids, uh, Instagram, LinkedIn, emails, the to-do list, all that good stuff. So your first story should be punchy, add business value and be connection focused, just like the comedian that I mentioned who won the show. He was amazing. He was so good. But yeah, think like comedian people. Think like a comedian. And it doesn't mean that you can't share longer stories. Okay. It's about layering them in, layering in those longer stories throughout your presentation or demo. As you're consistently earning their attention and building more trust, you can share slightly longer stories. All right. So, tip number three don't share the right story with the wrong client. Now, I've messed up with this big time. I've messed up with this big time. And for me, I don't know what it could have been for you if you've ever experienced this mistake, but for me, it was largely down to ego. <laughs> and here's what I mean. In my days of selling in the startup world, once I left uh, corporate sales back in 2016, I lost many deals because my ego felt compelled to share an enterprise level story with an SME client just to showcase how great we are and the transformation that we've received for very big companies. And I was just making myself feel significant versus making my prospect feel significant. That's a big thing. 
That's a big thing. And I lost deals because of that. Ultimately, because the SME client felt misunderstood. They didn't feel seen. They didn't feel heard. They didn't feel acknowledged. They were like, oh, okay. Since you shared that story, it means that you only deal with companies with in that industry or that size or that number of employees. And they're like, oh, we'll find somebody who specifically caters to us. And once I'd shared this story or shared this story, rather, I couldn't win back that customer. I had done it, right? I'd blown the opportunity. So something to think about. Don't share the right story with the wrong client. Okay. And also don't share the wrong story with the right client, right? But a lot of the time, some people will think, oh, that story doesn't work because it didn't work with that client. Well, the question is, are you sharing stories where the individual on the other end of the phone or Zoom call or whatever it is, whatever you're using, is it somebody with a similar DNA to them? Industry, location, revenue size, do they have similar challenges to them? All that good stuff. Similar desires, by the way, as well, you know? So really think about the DNA of the story, meaning of the main character of the story. So you can share something that actually connects. You know what I'm saying? Something that actually connects. So tip number four, if you're struggling with imposter syndrome when speaking to C-suite decision makers, use the trusted advisor story. Here's what I mean by that. Back in my days in corporate sales on the trading floor, one of the interesting things that I saw on a colleague's desk on a yellow sticky note was teach them something they didn't know before they met you. Something around those words, not those words exactly, but you get the gist. I was like, huh, that's really interesting. And when I'm coaching B2B salespeople, especially ones who are very early on in their career, there is this concern that they are going to feel inferior or they are going to look inferior when speaking to a C-suite decision maker because they don't have the experience, they don't have the wealth of knowledge as the person they're talking to and all that good stuff. I think everybody has gone through that at some point. But what we're talking about here is a trusted advisor story. A trusted advisor story which teaches them something they didn't know until they interacted with you. Now, the cool thing here is the speed at which you reveal this new piece of information will ultimately determine how quickly that you build trust, right? So you get it in there early, you're going to build trust a lot quicker, a lot quicker. So if you are speaking to C-suite decision makers, CFOs, analytical driven people, and you're scared, you're worried, think about the trusted advisor story. Now, we could do an entire episode on how to structure this, but here's something that I was taught and that we used to do when I worked in banking. You know, the first thing that we would do before presenting a solution would be talk about what we're seeing in the industry at the moment. Talk about what we were seeing at the moment across different asset classes. I was working in foreign exchange at the time. And ultimately then, talk about what we predicted or believed would happen over the next 18 to 24 months. Why? Because people love to get behind people that believe in something. And people with a firm opinion on something, and remember, it's an opinion. It's not, it has to be correct. It's your view. It's your perspective. They are seen as a thought leader in their space. They are seen to 
be somebody who has a grasp on what they're talking about because a lot of people don't have opinions on things or are scared to admit that they do or secretly feel like they're going to be torn apart or seen as an imposter if they do share it. So by you sharing what's going on in the industry right now, giving key market insights and also talking about the trends, you're positioning yourself as a trusted advisor. And then by giving your prediction, you're talking about what you believe in and really allowing you to build trust. Okay. Hope that helps people. Hope that helps. So tip number five, stories which connect to your prospects, million dollar problem are cool. However, 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 stories which connect to the source of that pain are cooler, right? Way cooler, way more impactful is really what I'm trying to say. Meaning, imagine this right now, close your eyes and you've got two people in front of you, okay? Imagine them, Jill and Bob. You've got Jill and Bob in front of you right now and both of them, have a million dollar problem of struggling to use video marketing for their business. Okay. Both of them have that million dollar problem. Now, what a lot of people do, which is great, but there's another alternative way to think about it, which I'll share, is they think of ways in which they can connect to that million dollar problem. They go, oh, you know, I once struggled with the video marketing and now look and look what my clients are doing. That's that's great, but for one person, Imagine that the source of that million dollar problem is imposter syndrome. And for the other, it's simply time. So there's another layer, like an onion, peel back that layer and get beneath the surface if you truly want to deliver stories that connect. Because talking about a time where you had a problem with video marketing is surface level. If you really want to connect with people on a deeper level, uh, level rather, you want to go to that source of pain. You want to go to that source of pain. And that's ultimately an acid test. When you're thinking about different stories to share inside of the sales process, always focus on, okay, what's the million dollar problem? Then what's that source of pain, right? Because that's where true connection lies, people. That's where true connection lies. Okay, tip six, the final tip of the show, people. Final tip of the show. If you're sick of competing and being compared to bigger players in your space, which leads you to discounting your prices and all that stuff you really don't want to do, then do what Eminem did at the end of 8 Mile. And if you haven't seen the movie, well, uh, I don't think we can be friends. I don't think you and I can hang out because it's a classic, people. You need to go watch it. And if you don't have two hours to go watch the movie 8 Mile, then just Get on YouTube and search the final rap battle in 8 Mile. That is insane. And ultimately, what Eminem does against his uh, opponent, who is it? Papa Doc, I think. Papa Doc. Anyway, <laughs> I digress. What he does is he thinks of all the objections and all of the things that could be used against him. He openly talks about them and it becomes magnetic to his audience. And his audience were sick of the status quo. They were looking for somebody to come and disrupt the status quo. That was Eminem. He won it. The guy choked because he had nothing to say. And if you're looking for an example of this in real life, take a look at the marketing and storytelling of several disruptive challenger banks. 
especially some of the emerging UK ones that came out in around 2015, 2016, they really went after the big banks in their marketing. They really did. And they used their flaws of being small, a lack of infrastructure as nimble, transparent, caring about the customer versus a faceless bank, which truly only cared about one thing, money and the transaction. So take a look at some of the marketing of these disruptor challenger banks. It will give you an idea of how to compete. If you're a startup, if you're brand new in the space and your sales team are having to sell and being compared to some of the bigger players. Listen, I could go on and on and on, but I hope this was useful. I truly hope this was useful. Now, if you enjoyed this episode, hit subscribe, man. Hit subscribe. Leave me a review. And next week, it'll be back to another interview. And I'll see you on the other side. All right. Peace. Oh, okay. Okay. Hold on. So you thought that this was the part of the show where I say something like, okay, ladies and gentlemen, if you did enjoy the show, then please drop us a review and do share it with a friend. Well, I'll tell you what, that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to be predictable here. Okay. Do share it with a friend and do drop us a review. If you got some value from today's episode. Okay. So if you want to impact people, remember you need to learn how to influence them first.